The Newport Harbor High School Alumni Association is excited to bring you interviews with favorite faculty and alumni, originally aired on local KOCI radio. Support our programs and stay in touch with the NHHS people you love most by updating your info at newportharboralumni.org. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Newport Harbor Alumni. And as always, go Sailors! Okay, so this has to be one of the coolest local history stories that I have heard or learned about in any time in recent history. And we're doing some interviews here on my show on Thursdays, Behind the Orange Curtain with Alex Crawford, as well as on my Sports Sunday show in conjunction with the Newport Harbor High School Alumni Association to put the spotlight on individuals that are in the Newport Harbor High School Alumni Hall of Fame or should be or will soon be in the Hall of Fame. And this story is probably, this individual is probably the most interesting one that I've come across thus far, Sharon Sheely. We're going to tell you her story in just a second, but joining me here today um, behind the orange curtain is Joel Kellum. He is an attorney. He is somewhat of a keeper of Sharon Sheely's estate, helped her son Shannon recapture some copyrights. Joel, I want to start with a very simple question that you can tell our listeners and tell me, regale me with, who is Sharon Sheely? Well, Sharon was one of the top, actually is the top female songwriter. And um, she wrote about her experiences um, while she went to school there at Newport and her experiences growing up as a teenage girl in the Orange County area where you're from. And then um, she really is the first female to have a number one song. So a comparison would be Taylor Swift. I mean, you look at how much notoriety Taylor Swift gets for being a singer-songwriter, but Sharon Sheely was really the first Taylor Swift, <laughs> and she was doing it in the late 50s. Um, Billboard magazine didn't even exist at the time when she first started songwriting, and the very first number one song ever on Billboard magazine in 1958 was students at um, Newport High School, Sharon Sheely. And she wrote the song, Poor Little Fool, that was actually Ricky Nelson first number one record and everyone knows about Ozzy and Harriet and the Nelson show and, and Ricky Nelson. However, um, he had been doing a lot of other people's songs on the TV show and um, she went to see him and literally camped out on his front doorstep up in and said, hey, I've got this song. And she didn't tell him that she wrote it, just said, hey, I've got this song, why don't you do this? And so he recorded the song, did not show she was the songwriter, but um, once the song started shooting up the charts, then Ozzy Nelson signed the publishing split to their publishing company, and the song became the biggest seller of 1958. And so that was a really, really big year for rock and roll. That was a big year for music in general. Um, that's when 45 started to sell at enormous pace, and that was the biggest of that year. So... That song has just been a, a godsend and really started her career. And um, the song's been done by, you know, hundreds of different people. Um, it was on the show This Is Us just this year. It kicked off the season premiere of 2019. Um, it was the song they came back from on the very first episode. And that was the number one rated show for the entire United States. But that song, Poor Little Fool, you know, it's, it's a timeless song. They call it an evergreen. It's one of those songs that even at the ages 
you listen to it today, it sounds as good as it did the day it was recorded in 1958. And it's because of the great singing performance that Ricky Nelson gave on that, that song, but then also because the words that Sharon Sheely wrote. I mean, the words she wrote are just, um, you can tell that you guys have great English teachers, <laughs> great teachers at the Newport High School, because, you know, she's 16, 17 years old writing really sophisticated lyrics. So it's just really, really well done. So let me get this straight, Joel. Sharon Sheely was a senior at Newport Harbor High School in 1958, 18 years old, and she writes the song, Poor Little Fool, which then becomes the number one song in America and Billboard's Hot, Billboard Hot 100's first number one song. So she's a senior at Newport Harbor High School, and she writes the number one song in the country. That That's insane. That's the thing that's kind of crazy about it. And she had to actually pretend like she didn't write the song. When she gave the song to Ricky Nelson, it was just like, hey, here's this great song that I've got. And so he recorded it, but then didn't really want to admit that, oh my God, this 18-year-old girl who wrote it, because it was a male-dominated songwriting at the time. You look at the songwriters at the time, all the big songwriters in the 40s, 50s are all males. And, um, and everything is written from a male perspective. And so if you were a female singer or somebody who wanted to have female perspective in a song, this didn't exist because you didn't have female songwriters. So literally when you draw a line back in time, she's really the first female songwriter. I mean, prior to that, the Brill Building was all filled with men. I mean, if you look at those shows, you know, that recapture the 60s, it's all men, you know. And so she really broke the ceiling for women um, um, going into that field or making inroads into that. I mean, today there's lots of people songwriters. I mean, a lot of people even try to say, oh, look at Carol King. Well, Carol King came 10 years after Sharon Shields, you know, 10 years after. And yet she's considered the first female great songwriter. But she was, she was years after even Sharon Sheely. Wow. So in, in uh, to simplify it, for our listeners or for people like myself who just recently discovered her. She's really the first female songwriter. She went to Newport Harbor High School. She grew up right here in Newport. And like you said, she she wrote about experiences that she was having here in Newport Beach, Costa Mesa at the time that then be, went on to become top hits. Yeah, and, and because it's such an Americana experience in that area, um, I had just once or twice had the um, opportunity to visit the neighborhood right there around Newport High School and see Newport High School. And then it still feels like Americana there, you know? And that's what she was doing. She was writing from a perspective of a traditional American teenager. And the other schools around the country were modeling themselves after the schools here and the Southern California experience. And that's what she wrote. And, um, and then the labels recognized she was a good songwriter and gifted, and they started offering her contract. So then she wrote a big hit for the Fleetwood called Great Posture, and that's just a fabulous, fabulous song. And um, so if you listen to the Fleetwood Great Imposter, that's really, really good. And then she wrote another really big hit called Breakaway, and that was the first song that really talked about how if a woman didn't feel like you're being treated correctly by a guy, it wasn't, oh, stand by your man, let's kiss and make up. It was break away, go off and do your own thing, become your own person. And so the song actually, you can tell a great song, it'll become a hit in different decades. And so 
also a big hit in the 80s. So it was done by Tracy Ullman, who was the comedic kind of singer. She did it in the 80s and had a top 20 hit with it, and she had a top five hit in Britain with it. And it's a song called Breakaway. Um, um, give that one a listen or give that one a spin, and you'll see it. Just a, it, It's probably one of the first woman's empowerment songs. Kind of like we recently lost Helen Reddy, who did the song I Am Woman. This breakaway was 10 years prior to that even. And so it's a real, like, women's empowerment song, way ahead of its time. And joining me here on Behind the Orange Curtain, Joel Kellum. Joel's an attorney, but we're here to talk about Sharon Sheely. She's in the Newport Harbor High School Hall of Fame. She's also, actually, I saw online in the Rockabilly Hall of Fame, and she's an integral but maybe not super well-known part of rock and roll history. Joel, tell me a little bit more about Sharon Sheely's place in the rock and roll music pantheon. Um, it really spans the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. And even up to the 80s, um, she was really big with the Stray Cats when they were big early on in the mid-80s. Um, she used to go with um, Brian Setzer out to the Palomino Club in the Valley a lot and turn them on to a lot of the music. Um, she was um, going to get married to a gentleman named Eddie Cochran, and everybody knows the song Summertime Blues. Well, Summertime Blues was about the times that Eddie and her used to spend. And so they were spent in the Inland Empire. They were spent in Southern California. They were spent all in Newport Beach. That's why every summer you'll hear that song, Summertime Blues, blasted everywhere you go. And that's because it's an anthem. She didn't write that particular song, but she had tons and tons of experiences with Eddie because he, she was his girlfriend. And they would record at a really famous recording studio in Hollywood called Gold Star. And the two of them pretty much lived there all the time. I mean, they were doing sessions there all the time. They were cutting lots of demos there at the time. And the most number one records in the world were cut right there at Gold Star Records. I mean, everything from Riverdeep Mountain High um, to Beach Boys songs to, I mean, we can just literally list over a hundred different top ten songs recorded in that studio. But at the time, you could just sign up for hours, you could go in as a student, and you could record. It's actually a lot like it is now with Pro Tools, where you can have a million-dollar studio right there in your living room. And so you can have just tremendous things done just right there on your own. And so in the late 50s, it was an era of independence, where independence could come up with songs they could record them and have them released and do it fairly inexpensively. So the big songwriters of the day, the Everly Brothers, used to go by her apartment. The uh, Eddie Cochran would go by her apartment. Glenn Campbell would frequently be there at her apartment. The Johnny Burnett and the Rock and Roll Trio and the Dorsey Burnett, they would frequently go to her apartment. And basically they would hang out there with guitars and they would just songwrite. They all enjoyed music. They would listen to what's on the radio. The transistor radio was having a big impact at the time because people could take the radio with them to the beach. Um, if you think about it, it's really the start of these, you know, like these phones that we carry around now with all this music in it. The transistor radio was about the same size, but it gave access to all your music. So the world of the teenager and the world of kids was just really expanded at that time. And so she was in the location where all the big rock stars at the time were right there with her. And so they all knew each other. Um, the irony is that after, well, the really sad thing is she went to be with Ed in 1960. 
was on a tour of Europe, Eddie Cochran and Gene And at the end of the tour, they were driving to the airport, and it had just been raining, and they slid, and um, the car crashed. And Gene Vincent was severely injured. Eddie Cochran was killed. Sharon spent over a year over in England, like 1961, in a hospital. And she had to recover from that car accident. And it was it was tragic because we lost Eddie Cochran. And um, the real irony is, you know, the police and Sting. Well, Sting was a gas station attendant right there where the accident happened. And so the very first song, if you look at the police thing, some of the first songs they did is called Three Steps to Heaven. And so if you put in Sting, Three Steps to Heaven, you'll hear some of the early police music and some of the early stuff Sting did. But that was because he's heavily influenced by Sharon Sheely and Eddie Cochran. <laughs> I mean, that's what he grew up listening to. Um, he was killed right there near where um, Sting you know, grew up. So I guess you could say she really has influenced artists from the 50s all the way up to now. Um, and, um, and like that, her, she lived in England for a long time, um, in the mid sixties, she was really good friends with Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin. Jimmy Page used to play on a lot of her demo sessions. Um, Glenn Campbell, one of the top guitar players here in the U S he played on lots of her demo sessions. A uh, great, great singer named PJ Proby, also Mac Davis, the singer. Um, they all used to just be session people with her. I mean, she literally had uh, a multi-million dollar band playing with her on just her session work where she would experiment with different song lyrics. Uh, and then another really famous songwriter, Jackie DeShannon, Eddie Cochran was touring in the South and he met this singer named Jackie Deke. And she was really good. She was from Kentucky. So Eddie Cochran bought her a plane ticket that I want you to meet this girl, Sharon Sheely, from Newport High School, and the two of you are going to be great songwriters together. And so Jackie DeShannon flew out here to L.A. She and Sharon Sheely um, lived together and used to songwrite together for four or five straight years. Um, if you look at a lot of the early hits of Jackie DeShannon, they're co-written with Sharon Sheely. And once again, the rock world needed female perspectives in songs. And they just didn't have it. And so the two of them provided that to a music industry that was, you know, the, the women were buying lots of the records. And so they wanted songs that appealed to them. And so these are just some of the few songwriters that were out there at the time. And they like kind of things that appealed to them. Joel Kellum, attorney, keeper of Sharon Sheely's estate, also helped her son recapture some of those copyrights. Joining us here on Behind the Orange Curtain, Joel, I love these old rock and roll history stories and just visualizing the spider web of Sharon Sheely's influence going out across the music world and still being felt today is is pretty awesome, especially just being here right down the street from Newport Arbor High School and myself being an alumni of Newport Arbor High School, it it is pretty special. And this is something we didn't really know growing up here. Now, you told me uh, that that there's a book, Summertime Blues, which is, I, I know you said earlier, one of the name uh, of her songs. Is that is that Sharon Sheely's book? And, and where can we find that book? Tell me about that. She didn't write the song Summertime Blues, but her boyfriend and who she was planning on marrying was Ed Cochran. That's right, and that's right. That was his big, big hit. But she did write a song, um, Come On Everybody, and something else. Um, 
um, something else is the big one that she wrote with him. And so they, um, um, you know, wrote that song together. And the book is all about the, uh, people who went to Newport High School should read the first part of that book because the whole first part of that book is about going to high school there and, and the uniqueness of it there in the 50s. And then literally on Friday at 2 o'clock when the bell rung or they would even sneak out of school early, they would get into the car and they would drive up to Hollywood because that's where all the 50s music stars and, and, and things were. And so they would get in the car, make the trek, and then they would have just these elaborate adventures on the weekends. And one of the really cool chapters in the book is all about Elvis. And she got to the Knickerbocker Hotel um, up in Hollywood. She met with Elvis. Um, Elvis and her, as she was working on the movie, I think it was Loving You, um, she would hang out with them and talk to him. Elvis, I don't think, ever recorded any of her songs. But I'm sure she talked to him about, you know, songwriting and, and, and what songs uh, appeal to, um, you know, to the teenagers at the time. We might have to get Summertime Blues, that book, uh, required reading or recommended reading for kids up at Newport Harbor High School. Yeah, it's good. And, it's, and the neat thing is it reads like a book. When you read the book, it's not a stale book at all. And she was a real visual writer, kind of like her songs. And so when you read the book, it reads like a book. And I know her son, Shannon, is, is, is really hard at work getting the script polished on it and um, to get that movie made. Um, Shannon was really good friends with Richie Valen. And so, you know, Richie, he, she wrote even a song for him called Hurry Up. So go listen to this song by Richie Valen called Hurry Up. Richie only recorded like 20 songs in life. I mean, you think about La Bamba and Donna, both number one hits, and the blue La Bamba and Richie Valens being died and the biggest Latino star of all time. Well, Sharon Sheely wrote one of his big hits. Well, not a big hit, but one of the songs he recorded. And he didn't record that many songs. But the song is all about a high school um, girl getting ready to go out on a date and the boyfriend is saying, all right, come on, hurry up. We got to get there. Hurry up. We got to get there. And it's universal because you could hear two kids saying the same thing today. Hey, hurry up. We got to get to wherever we're going to get ready. <laughs> so um, that's definitely one to check out. It's Richie Valens' Hurry Up. It was never a big hit, Richie, but it's like one of the few songs he recorded in his lifetime. Well, we've been playing some of her songs throughout the show here today, and we'll, we'll keep playing them here until 3 o'clock on 101.5 KOCI. Now, Joel, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. I feel like we could probably keep talking for another hour or two about Sharon Sheely. She almost feels like the Forrest Gump of 50s and 60s and even 70s rock and roll. Just seems like she was everywhere with everybody. It's incredible. Yeah, no, it really was. And and like I said, it, it's... She was really big with the British invasion. I mean, because the British invasion was going on when she was there in 64, 65, 66, she was right there at the forefront with all of those um, those British groups. And so she knew them. And then she was married to Jimmy O'Neill, um, who did the show Shindig. And so Shindig was one of the, busy, busy, the biggest music show on TV in the um, middle 60s. And anybody who was anybody on Shindig, um, if you go to YouTube and you type in Shindig music, you can find literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of, of artists who were on that show and see the video clips. 
Um, but her husband at the time, Jimmy O'Neill, he was the one who was the host of it. So she really was on the, the pulp, and, uh, and she was in a unique location with access to the world's top, top recording artists. And so they all needed good songs. I mean, there's no hit without a great songwriter. And so any, any song that you hear has to start somewhere. But after visiting, you know, to relate this back to Newport High School, I see why. I mean, like you said, you had great teachers there who, who taught people how to turn a phrase. Um, you had good classes. You had great facilities. And you had just a classic Americana lifestyle going on there. And so it just was the perfect incubator for somebody to, to, to be successful. Now, she wasn't big while she was at the high school. She actually had to do all of this and create all of this while she was in high school. But then once she leaped off, she took off. And she made great money for 25, 30 years as a songwriter. Amazing. Amazing story and something I think that we can hopefully relay to current students or you know recent grads of Newport Harbor High School because it really is inspiring if you have a passion what you can get started even at a young age as we see with Sharon Gigli here. Joel, thanks for the time on this Thursday afternoon. We appreciate it here at KOCI and the Newport Harbor High School Alumni Association appreciates it. We'll have to We'll have to talk again soon because I feel like there's more we can dive into. So let's do this again sometime. Really appreciate you making time for us today, Joel. Yep. No, thank you. And um, thank you for keeping that music alive. If, if people don't know about it and people don't listen to it and people don't play it. Um, but her music is worth being studied. And the reason it's worth being studied is it was it, it's just as good today as it was then. So something has stood the test of time from 1958 all the way to today. And when you listen to it today, it may even be better than it was then. I mean, it really is like a fine wine, a song. I think our listeners agree, and I, I think they've enjoyed the music we've been playing throughout the show today. We'll catch up again soon. Joel Kellum, attorney, keeper of the late, great Sharon Sheely's estate. We'll keep songs written by her playing all afternoon long here on 101.5 KOCI. Talk to you soon, Joel. Perfect. Thank you, bud.